those who do not have the power over the story that dominates their lives, the power to retell it, rethink it, deconstruct it, joke about it, and change it as times change, truly are powerless because they cannot think new thoughts. True power lies with those who can control their own story. You are the story that you tell yourselves. For, for heritage to uh, have value, for heritage to matter, you have to have a community there that celebrates it and connects to it. It's easy to get um, stuck in the detail and in the process and, and forget that at the end of the day, these things, although they're from the past, they're kind of living and they're carried through to the present and then onto the future, hopefully, if we do our jobs right. Our heritage has shaped who we are as a people and a place today. In this series, we celebrate the stories of Auckland, the Pacific, and beyond. I'm Mark Gosper, and this is the Heritage Talks podcast. Kia ora koutou, and welcome back. Today's talk looks at the weird and wonderful world of wills and probate. Wills are one thing that will cause a fight. Those who were banned from making wills were sodomites, criminals, outlaws, lunatics, libelers and loan sharks. Auckland Library's family historian Marie Hickey discusses the various resources available for locating wills both in New Zealand and Australia, and also England, Ireland and Scotland. Knowing how information was collected and what is available within the jurisdiction you are searching is key to the success of your search. Listen on to discover the tools you'll need to unlock some family secrets. Haramai Titahi Ahua. Enjoy the journey. Many people from my experience, especially when I was working in the UK, would say, oh, I'm not going to look at the wills, my family had no money, it's not worth it. But it doesn't take long for a family to lose money. So, as I say, don't um, disregard it because you might miss out on a lot of information. And one of those pieces of information um, could be uh, the fa how the family lost a fortune. You might pick up previously unknown relatives. You might also find out why the family, one branch of the family is not talking to each other, even if they don't remember. Um, because there's bound to... Wills are one thing and that will cause a fight in the family, and I'm sure you've all come across that. Now, uh, it's not a re legal requirement to probate a will, even now, uh, but people do tend to because it causes fewer fights. Also, um, by probate, uh, most people will probate it because it's required for transference of ownership of land. But in the past, if everybody sort of agreed with what the person had written, you know, they, they just sort of split it up without having to pay the legal fees. And let's face it, if you can pay save some money, you always like to do that. Uh, there are online guides about wills, because it is a complex topic, really. I'm only going to be gliding over it, uh, so I do recommend that you read online guides especially if you're looking at particular countries and more, even more so when it comes to pre-1858 wills in England, Ireland, well, in England, Ireland and Wales. 
um, because you've got church courts and various tiers of church courts. So we will discuss that a little bit, um, but not in depth because it's, it's just too complex. We'll be here all day. Okay, so we're going to start with New Zealand. And um, wills have been probated here in New Zealand since the 16th of June, 1842. If you're looking for something prior to that, you need to look at the, uh, New South Wales because we were governed by Australia. Um, the High Court nearest to where the deceased lived usually is where a will will be probated, and up until 1980 that was the Supreme Court. The court usually holds on to the papers for about 25 years before they deposit them with Archives New Zealand. So for those of you who don't know, there are four regional Archives New Zealand offices, Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Dunedin. You can apply to the High Court to get a copy of a uh, will. It will cost you somewhere between $30 and $40, and that's non-refundable. So what I would suggest you do first is to check with um, archives to see if they've got it. So uh, they have a website called Archway. So just Google Archway and it will come up. And then you do your search by putting your name in. So what you need to do is you may or may not be able to see it and if you've used the website you'd know it says order details so you click on order details for we're going to look at one of these wills here and this is what you get okay so this is all the information that you need um, when you go to archives to be able to look they will not produce the wills that have been digitized because you can see those However, um, I did have a quick look just earlier and on, and we will be discussing it, but online um, on Family Search, they only go up to between 1967 and 68 at present. So even though they've been digitised, because you can't see it on the website, I'm pretty sure archives will let you see it. Okay. Um, but it's always worth looking at it and noting this number down here where it says the record number because you may actually need that because even though it may be digitised and freely available on uh, family search it might be that they haven't indexed it yet and that's why you will need that number okay so family search get yourself an account if you don't have one it's free you just need to have a password and an email address so then you sign in so set yourself up with a free account then go and sign in and the first thing you want to do is click on search and then from the drop down you've got records okay so once you've clicked that you'll get this so you can put um, names and stuff in there if you want but I find it quicker to uh, click on Australia New Zealand on the map and then this box will crop up and clicking on New Zealand and then you will get a box to put somebody's name in. By all means, do that. If you know they've left a will and it doesn't crop up, then you're going to have to um, come down and uh, click 
on the probate records bit. And yeah, there we go. And then you got browse, okay? And by clicking on browse, this is actually a combination of, of two parts of it. You initially get the different courts, so from Archway you'll know which court it was, okay? Um, if you couldn't find it on, on Archway, then you could take a guess at which court it is. This is where your geographical knowledge is going to come into play. So it would be done, as we said, at the court closest to where they died, we hope. So the first thing you look for is the year in which the probate was filed. And then you remember the number we made a note of from Archway? That's where you look. Now, these aren't individual numbers. You're going to look for the number appearing within a group. So like... It, um, you might have the record number of three, so you want to look in the group that says one to five. Okay, uh, and I mention that because I do know people expect to see individual numbers. You're not going to get that. So once you've clicked on it, um, if it's the name one, if it came up with the name system, you'll go straight to it. If it didn't, what you're going to have to do is sort of scroll through. Quite often they're typescript, so nice and easy to read. It might be manuscript. If you can't make it to an archives office and you know that they have a will, you can request a copy by contacting them, but it will cost you $50. Usually when you order in person, it's cheaper than ordering through them. One of the um, taxes that came into being, and uh, if you've ever looked at probate records for New Zealand, uh, you'll see that there is a, a little tax that they pay. It's called succession, they were called succession legacy and residuary duties. And uh, they existed between 1867 and 76. Uh, testamentary registers took over until 1962 and they were all stamp duties that were payable so you'll see a little thing saying stamp duties being paid. If you don't find a will through Archway and you're pretty sure there may have been one, it could be A, that it wasn't probated as we've already just mentioned, but it could be that um, it went through the public trust office. The public trust office often dealt with intestate estates, i.e. the person didn't leave a will, or it could be that they did their will through the public trust office as opposed to doing it through a lawyer. So intestates were administered by the public trust office between 1872 up to about 1957, and that was done through the Wellington High Court. The New Zealand Society of uh, Genealogists have done an index of those that went through there, and that's available on microfiche. Uh, we have it here in the central research centres, and some other large libraries may also have that index. Once the estate was settled, a statement was published in the Provincial Gazette, which later on became the New Zealand Gazette, and again, the 
New Zealand Society of Genealogists have published some of those indexes. Lands and Deeds is another good place to look if you can't find a will, because it may be that uh, it was used uh, for proof of transferring land. And again, the New Zealand Society of Genealogists have done an index uh, 1833 to 1910. Some of you may be wondering, where's the Maori wills and all this? Well, you need to contact the Maori Trust Office. They hold the original wills um, because it went through the Māori Land Court. Okay, let's move on. Australia. Now, Australia is quite complex because it's got all the different states. Each state's got its own laws. So I'm not going to discuss them here. But what I do suggest is that you go on to Cindy's List or Cora Num's website and have a look there. Both have very good links to things for each different state. The other um, thing I would recommend is that you have a look at Nick Vine Hall's book. It was written a number of years ago now because he passed away in the 1980s, I think it was. And that's a very good guide for uh, different resources available to you in Australia. Okay, so many of us are descended from people who came out here from England and Wales. So here's just a few statistics about wills, and it might help you understand why you may not find a will. If you write right back to the 15th century, you can see only 70% of the population left wills. By the 17th century, that was down to 2%, and that's mainly um, based on, on data for London, and it excludes the wealthy. In 1858, it had risen to 10%. Uh, married women couldn't leave a will because it was her husband's property. That all changed in 1882 with the uh, Married Women's Property Act. Now, a married woman could leave a will if her husband agreed to it, but he could go back on his word at any time, even after she died. And uh, these days, around about 60% of people leave a will and about 15% have letters of administration granted, so, you know, not too bad, but not wonderful either. Okay, so um, before 1858, uh, wills were probated through the church courts. The church had jurisdiction over quite a number of things. So the thing you're going to need to know is which court had jurisdiction over the area where your people were. So this book, Fillimore's Atlas and Index of Parish Registers by Cecil Humphrey Smith, uh, we have a copy on the shelves. And the coloured lines represent uh, the different courts, and there's a key with the map. Now, you can't photocopy out of the book because it's covered by copyright, but they have been digitised and you can download it from Ancestry, which is where they're held. Um, uh, they're in the maps 
you'll find them in the maps part. The highest court in the land in England and Wales was the PCC, the Prerogative Court of Canterbury. So they uh, would probate wills for people who had um, belongings in both their jurisdiction and the Prerogative Court of York, which was the northern counties, and I'll mention what they were. Also, um, people who may have died overseas, and this includes those who were in the armed forces, but they normally lived in England and Wales. Uh, or their estate had a value of more than £5, uh, which if you were in London, it had to be a value of £10. Then it went through the PCC. So £10 was quite a lot in those days. Okay, so the prerogative prerogative court of York held jurisdiction over Yorkshire, Durham, Northumberland, Westmoreland, Cumberland, Lancashire, Yorkshire, Nottinghamshire and the Isle of Man. So it's sort of all those northern counties. So you've got the PCC, you've got the PCY which is a, a junior one but for the northern counties but under them there were another three tiers of courts and this is where it gets confusing so I can only suggest that you read guides that are online, have a look at some of the books that are on the shelves here in the research centre, borrow a book through your library if, if there's some borrowable copies. So the three tiers were the Archdeaconry Court, the Commissary or the Commissariat Court and the Peculiar Courts and each had different responsibilities. Now, you can um, get copies of, of wills. Uh, the National Archives at Kew, if you go onto their website and put your person's name into the box and then you can get all sorts of things come up or you can go into wills and you can get information. Now, if I'm at home doing this and I want to get a copy, it's going to say I want £3.50. However, as I belong to the New Zealand Society of Genealogists, I can say, I'm not going to pay your £3.50, I'm going to go onto their website, go through them, and I can get it for free. You can also do this within the Auckland libraries, because we now have access to Discovery, which is the name for the National Archives website. So it's not limited to just wills, it's, it's anything they've got online which they may um, charge a fee for or as long as it's digitised you can download it. The only cost that's going to be to you is if you print it, we will charge you the printing costs. If you put it down to a USB, it's free as, as per normal. Some people may have told you Wills were at, some, are at Somerset House. Yes, they were, but they are no longer. Okay, so um, don't go writing to Somerset House. If you're going to London, don't go to Somerset House. Or go there, but you can go and look at the um, different collections they've got on exhibition. 
Oh, just one thing I should mention, uh, a book that we've got on, on display in the research um, centre is Jeremy Gibson and Stuart Raymond's book, uh, Probate Jurisdictions, Where to Look for Wills. It's very useful because it's going to tell you the survival rate um, and dates of wills in particular places, so it's an e a nice easy way once you've verified your court, etc., to see whether the ones that you want have survived. So um, that's a little book that's on, on display. Uh, Family Search have also um, digitised a number of, of the wills, and you might find them on Ancestry, you might find them on Find My Past, The Genealogist, My Heritage. All four of those websites are available to you, plus Family Search, free within the library. So after 1858, it all becomes a lot easier in England and Wales. Uh, what they did was they made these uh, books on an annual basis, and they're alphabetical. Uh, the indexes, we've got them on microfiche up until about 1943, I think it is, in the drawers but they go up to 1995 on Ancestry, and you just need to put your person's name in, or you can just put a surname in if you're just wanting to sort of do a bit of a one-name study. Death duties um, are another good thing to look at. The will was the person's wishes at the time that they made the will, and when you look at the will, you could see that it's been um, written a number of years before they have passed away. And so uh, some of the beneficiaries may no longer be alive. And um, it could be like, oh, I leave it, if, if my son's not alive, I leave it to his legal ears type thing. Well, what the death duties do is it says who gets what. So these can be very useful. The uh, index can be found on uh, Find My Past. And uh, once you've got that, unfortunately, you are going to have to uh, get somebody to visit um, National Archives at Kew because the papers have yet to be digitised. Okay, so you get the... Um, so what you might get off the index is surname and Christian name of the testator, uh, where they live, who the executor is, so the testator being the dead person, um, the executor, and where they are, and then you get your references for your death duties. Now, one thing I do need to mention is that if you're looking for a post-1858 will, you find it, you think, great, I'd like a copy of it, you can apply to the probate registry, and well, current, it was £10 up until a couple of months ago. It's now £1.50. I will warn you that there has been a flood of people. Something else to bear in mind, um, it was legal for boys over the age of 14 and girls over the age of 12 to leave a will, but they couldn't um, bequeath land until they were 21. Those who were banned from making wills were sodomites, criminals, outlaws, lunatics, excommunicants, 
libelers and usurers, which had loan sharks. If it could be proven that somebody who was classed as a lunatic had made the will in a time of clarity, then it was accepted. Uh, as we said earlier, married women couldn't uh, make a will until the Married Women's Property Act, unless her husband agreed to it. In England, Wales and Ireland, a will was automatically revoked on marriage or remarriage. That didn't apply, oh, the only time it wouldn't have been revoked was if it was said in contemplation of marriage, so they made it knowing they were getting married. That didn't apply in Scotland. The subsequent birth of a child who wouldn't have been named in the will did revoke a will in Scotland, but not in England, Ireland and Wales. So you just got to be very careful. Uh, you may find that the eldest son's not mentioned. Well, that's because he's taken care of, because he's going to inherit the land, etc. A married daughter may not be mentioned because she may have had a settlement um, given to her on marriage. So that could be why somebody's missing out of the wills. Um, just something with death duty wills to bear in mind, they're only kept for 30 years and then they're destroyed, okay? Um, there's, so there's no registers after 1903, but you do get some earlier, uh, earlier ones. So the index goes from 1796 to 1903. And there were various regulations regarding the tax that was paid on it. Uh, so some people didn't actually end up paying the tax at, at, at all. But there's... Um, a good book written by uh, Jane Cox, I think it is. Yes, Jane Cox, uh, called Wills, Probate and Death Duty Records. So she sort of takes you through the ins and outs of the legalities. Okay, so we'll move on to Scotland. The material is held at, well, the old material is held at the Scotland's People's Centre, lovely building. But we're 12,000 miles away, so what you need to do is, uh, if you've got Scottish ancestry, Scotland's People website is going to be your friend. Again, you need to uh, register. So, again, it's just a password and email address. Okay, so... I've just put in uh, the surname of Finlay, pretty common. You can see all, the, all these different ones. So we've got an Adelia who's uh, residing in the West Indies, and these are the different courts that it's gone through. So with Adelia, it's gone through the Edinburgh um, Sheriff Courts, and then you've got the reference here for the Sheriff Court. If, you want, if Adelia's will is the one that's of interest to you, um, you buy credits. It's currently 10 credits, which is around about £2.50, around about $5, maybe $7. So it's not that much. So you buy your credits or you use your credits and then you've got the item. Up until 1868, only movable property could be bequeathed. So that means you'd 
anything that's easily moved, your jewellery, your clothing, your money, not your buildings. Okay, the, the buildings came down through primogeniture. Um, but if in Scotland, if there were no boys to inherit, the girls got it. Whereas England, they're going to continue looking for boys, no matter how distant they are. Um, after 1868, primogeniture still applied, um, but it was relaxed. So, as we say, the, the daughters got it, and they became known as heir portioners. So if you see heir portioners in a document, it means it's probably come through the girl, or it's the girl herself who's inheriting. The um, estate would be divided into three, so the heir portioners, the, the daughters, would get a third. The widow got a third, and that became known as life rent. But when the widow died, what was left of her portion went, went back to the children. And then you've got the, um, the deeds part, D-E-I-D-S, which means they can give it to anybody they wish. So, um, 1513 to 1925 have been uh, digitised and available through Scotland's people. And the uh, papers fall into three to four parts. The first part is the introductory clause. So, so with this one, which is my whatever great-grandfather, at Kinross, 16th of September in the year 1869, in the presence of David, signed commissary, Kinross, etc. You then get an inventory, and then they do a little bit of work to check that what everybody's saying is correct, and you get the confirmation. So again, it's just sort of saying, oh, well, you know, we've looked into this, She's given us an inventory, it's been checked up on and everything, and we're quite happy with this. She can now become the executor. You may also get a, a copy of a will, but if you don't get a copy of a will and one did exist, then uh, the indexes should say where that is, and it could be that it's uh, with the... Um, Register of Deeds because of the transfer of land, if there was land involved. And you don't have to be wealthy in Scotland to have uh, dealings with land because you could um, have it by lease through what they called a feudal duty. If you see the terms testament, testamenta, that means it was a will and testament dative means it's what we call letters of administration. Moving on to Ireland, and everybody knows about the Four Courts fire. Not everything went up in smoke, but um, unfortunately, with regards to wills, it's not good news. Find my past have um, some material, so this is just an um, example of one of the things I pulled up. It's giving you the deceased's name, the address, and the year. Well, that's all you're going to get. So there are a lot of um, wills that were indexed into will and grant books, 
uh, some of the indexes have survived. And indexes, along with any surviving wills, have been filmed by Family Search, some of which have been digitised. And these are now available at PRONI, the Public Record Office of Northern Ireland, and National Archives of Ireland in Dublin. No original wills survive for the Principal Registry of Dublin, the counties of Dublin, Kildare, Meath and Wicklow. So I'm sorry, I, I, you know, this is, is bad news. As we said before, pre-1858, the churches were responsible for proving probate in Ireland instead of the prerogative Court of Canterbury, it's the prerogative Court of Armagh. And there were 28 consistory courts which uh, dealt with their wills. However, there is a spark of light. If the person uh, died between 1858 and 1877, or something was probated, because do bear in mind, sometimes a will may be probated many years later. Um, so if it was done between those years, because Ireland was still under the uh, jurisdiction of England, check the index that we've looked at for England and Wales. Uh, if, you, if you're looking at the microfiche, you need to go to the back of the year, but if, if you're doing it online through Ancestry or one of those, you can just put the name in and it will pop up, making it a lot easier. And the, the information's the same as what we've already explained you had for England. So after 1877, the High Court became responsible. So that's the High Court in Ireland. And again, that's where your disappointment may come in because uh, a lot of the material did disappear. Okay. Um, National Archives of Ireland holds wills and administrations lodged in the principal probate registry since 1904 and in most district registries outside of Northern Ireland since 1900. The Public Record Office of Northern Ireland holds records for Belfast and Londonderry from 1900 and Armagh from 1900 to 21. Calendars of wills and administrations since 1918 for Northern Ireland are searchable online through the Public Record Office of Northern Ireland's website. Pre-1918 will calendars cover the whole of the country. They're not split up. Uh, and again, some wills can be found with land records, and we do have some Irish land records material here in the Research Centre on film. Uh, there is an index that goes with it, so, you know, if you think your family may have had something, then do, by all means, have a look. Um, and you might find uh, some will indexes through the library system, whether it's Auckland Library or another library, and also the New Zealand Society of Genealogists have books as well. Few death duties, like we saw for England and Wales, survive for Ireland, um, but those that do survive are held at the National Archives of Ireland in Dublin. I can only suggest that you keep looking because more and more records are being found, more and more records are being digitised and your big companies are going to try and get what they can to, in order to keep uh, 
people subscribing to their websites because it's not cheap and they're not going to subscribe if they can't get what they want. If this is your first time listening, then thanks for tuning in. The Heritage Talks podcast is produced regularly for your education and enjoyment. Talk notes are found on the Talks page at soundcloud.com. Come back whenever you like and feel free to add the podcast to your favourite RSS feed or iTunes. All links are in the talk notes.